Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana White. I blog almost every day over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who don't love cleaning and organizing. I'm also the author of the recently published How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind. That is my full-length real book that is available wherever books are sold. I take all of the personal experience that I've had and I put it into an instruction guide for you to manage your home without losing your mind. So the reviews on that have been excellent and I would love for you to go check that out. Um, you can go to aslobchemsclean.com book and you will find links to the places you can order that online or just search for how to manage your home without losing your mind wherever you like to buy books. Okay. Um, we are talking today about specific decluttering challenges, unique decluttering challenges, meaning personal challenges. But before I get to that, let me introduce our sponsor for December, and that is Lilla Rose. Um, this is specifically um, Apron Strings is the name of the shop. This is Linda's shop, and Lilla Rose is best known for their flexi hair clips. They're comfortable, durable, and unique, and in my personal opinion, are truly works of art. I actually learned about them for the first time from a friend because I stopped her and said, where did you get that hair clip? Um they really are different than just the normal things that you buy at the wherever store where you pick things up quickly and cheaply. Um, these are, like I said, truly works of of art, and they're known for being very comfortable for people who don't generally like wearing hair clips. Um, they love Lilla Rose. So go check out Linda's Lilla Rose shop. Get the link in the show notes or go to aslobchemsclean.com slash Lilla Rose. That's all one word, Lilla Rose, L-I-L-L-A-R-O-S-E. And that will take you specifically to Linda's shop because she's the podcast sponsor this month. Okay, so podcast 111, specific decluttering challenges. Um, so I'm loving hearing from people who are reading the book. Um, and the beauty of the book, here I am advertising my own book, but anyway, um, the beauty of the book is that it's all together. I mean, like this is pretty much everything you need to know to manage your home, to get your house from whatever state of total craziness that it was in, you can bring it out of that with the strategies in the book. Um, but this thing happens when you read the whole book is you're ready to change your whole house sometimes, even though I emphasize over and over in the book, how that actually works, how it doesn't work to try to do everything at once. But, um, that still tends to be the tendency. And what happens is, um, and this is very normal. So if this happens to you, know that it is not just you. I promise. This is a normal thing for people like us. Actually, it's a normal thing for everybody I'm learning. But when you start to be inspired to change and to declutter, your mind naturally goes to the thing that you know is your biggest problem. Okay. Um, I have another podcast. I don't know the number because I'm really not good at thinking ahead enough to look up numbers before I start, but I will put the link to it in the show notes for this. If you want to make sure that you get the show notes delivered to your email every time a new podcast comes out, um, just go to aslobcomesclean.com slash podcasts with an S and you can sign up for that specific email list there. But um, in that podcast, I talk specifically, specifically about decluttering momentum don't underestimate the power of momentum. Okay. And that's the main thing to remember when, when you start to feel like you are hyper or when you realize that you're hyper focusing on one specific decluttering issue that you have, don't start with that problem. Don't if that problem is like, I just don't even know, I just, I have to figure this out. It's just so overwhelming. You most likely need to go back and do some stuff that has nothing to do with that problem 
to start to get some decluttering momentum going. Okay. My personal story with decluttering momentum, I totally understand. I had a lot of things that were like just completely and totally overwhelming to me, but I didn't start with those things. I started so incredibly small. I started getting rid of just the stupidest, dumbest, most obvious stuff. Kids don't call stuff stupid and dumb. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that, but really, I mean, the, the stuff that was just so like, why do I have this? Well, of course I need to get rid of that. But for some reason, people like us, our brains tend to fixate on that big problem and ignore those other super obvious, crazy things that we do know. And I, I honestly have come to believe that a lot of that just comes down to me thinking, well, of course I'm going to have to pick up the newspapers on the kitchen floor. Of course I'm going to have to do that. So as long as I'm trying to figure out a real clutter you know, solution to a clutter problem. Why would I do that? Because I'll have to do that eventually. So of course that's going to get done, but this is never going to get done if I don't really put my focus and my energy and my thought into this problem solving for this specific problem. But the truth is, as I'm fixating on that, I'm not doing anything. Okay. But if I will start with the obvious Yes, of course that has to be done. Of course I'll do it someday because that's so obvious. If I will start with those things, the trash, the easy stuff, picking stuff up from the randomness that is the living room and going and putting it where it actually goes, which goes back to the two decluttering questions that I have. But those those, um, things, if I will do those first, then I I will gain decluttering momentum. And It's one of those things that I can tell you about and I can tell you from personal experience is such a real phenomenon, but I also know because I was you that you're listening to me and thinking, yeah, but that's not how it is for me. I I get that. I totally, completely understand if that's what's going through your head. Yeah, but... I need to focus on this one specific problem. So there's some other things that we're going to talk about to help you get past these, um, these, this one specific decluttering problem that's keeping you from starting at all. The main thing is go pick up trash. Just go start throwing stuff away. Start saying, well, yeah, of course this is trash. I didn't think of it as trash before because I thought it was something that I would eventually fix, but it's been there for six months or six years or whatever. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that actually technically is just trash. Okay. All right. What is, uh, okay, don't understand. I just have to tell you guys. So we had a dishwashing mishap, um, meaning something happened. I'm not blaming the person who ran the dishwasher because I'm just thankful for this person running the dishwasher, but something happened. And, um, I don't know what wasn't checked beforehand, but the coffee cup or the, the cups in the top rack kind of had that extra spew up on them. Do you know what I mean? That sounds gross, but where they didn't get completely clean. So my coffee cups, which are different now because we've switched out the ones, um, our normal ones are in the attic and our Christmas ones are in the cabinet. It's the one in one out rule. It's how we get to do that. Um, but that specifically lets, um, I see here I am. I'm, I can't even, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Basically we had a mishap. My favorite coffee cup cup was not clean. The one that is like the perfect, perfect size for me because I can only have one a day. Um, and so I convinced myself that the smaller one that I was using, that I could have two cups of that. I'll bet you that two cups of this smaller coffee coffee cup is the same as the bigger one that I normally use. That's the perfect size that I know that if I have any more than that, I get jittery. Um, I'm pretty sure I knew I was lying to myself and I just wanted an extra cup of coffee. So I did. And I'm reminded again why I can only have one cup of coffee a day because I'm super jittery. So anyway, sorry that y'all have to deal with that in the podcast, but that is real life. Okay. So don't underestimate momentum. That's the main thing. Okay. Start with something else. I know that you don't believe me. 
but go throw away trash. And you're here, here's what happens. First of all, you inspire yourself to keep going because you visibly see the difference in your house and you think, wow, I really can do this. And it really does make a huge impact. And that just inspires you to keep going. You also start to live with less stuff in your home and start liking living with less stuff in your home. That's what happened to me. I was like, wow, this is really nice to not have as many things to trip over. And that starts to change your perspective on the stuff that you have. It, It just that brain change is only going to happen through experience. Yes, you get a huge head start by purchasing How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind by Dana K. White. But the experience, there is nothing that will change your brain the way that experience can. Okay. And that is nothing. Don't wait to figure it out. Okay. Here, here's the way to know if you fixating on this one problem is detrimental to your overall get your home under control process? Are you not doing anything? I mean, that's me. That, that was what I would do. I would fixate on one thing and I would think I'm going to figure this out using my brain first, because that makes so much more sense than actually going and doing anything. Um, but that, that's the signal that, okay, something has to be done differently. I might as well follow Dana's advice. Um, is, are are you not doing anything because you're so fixated on this one specific decluttering challenge. Okay. The other thing to realize, and this is something that, um, mother-in-laws y'all don't listen. And let, but anyway, um, this is just my personal experience, but clutter is different for different people. Okay. Are you sure this is clutter for you? Or is this something like a, a something that you actually use that other people don't use And so somebody else has called it clutter in your home and yet you actually do use it. Now, do you use it like use all of it or do you have way more than you actually need and that's why it's clutter? What is it? Remember that the definition of clutter, according to me, because I wrote a book so I get to make definitions up, is anything that I can't handle, anything that continually gets out of control. Okay. So I don't consider it clutter when I walk into somebody's home and they have a whole setup of leather working tools. I totally made that up. So if you're a friend of mine listening to this and you have leather working tools, I promise I'm not talking about you, but cause I don't think I know anybody, but anyway, if, if they have a whole entire setup that is leather working tools and they actually work on leather. They're not like me who would collect a whole set of leather working tools at a garage sale and think, Oh, wouldn't that be cool? And then never actually do anything with it. If they actually use those leather working tools, then that's not clutter for them. It would be clutter in their neighbor's house. The person who would never do leather working. Does that make sense? So is it really clutter or did somebody else tell you it was clutter? And so now you're super worried about it. Now the definition of clutter is Can you keep it under control? So if it's constantly spilling out of its boundaries, if it's constantly a huge mess, then yes, that's clutter and you may need to pare it down. But, but if it's something you really do use, you don't need to get rid of it. Okay. But is there something else that is clutter that you can eliminate? This is something for me that I have. uh, It's still a a thing for me. I will go, this little group of things that I always constantly use is forever out of control. I have nowhere to store it. I have nowhere to store it. It's never going to get any better ever. And then I realized, wait, what's in that cabinet over there? That I'm pretty sure no one in my family has opened in the last six months or seven years or whatever. And then I look in that cabinet and go, oh yeah, here's a bunch of stuff I really don't use. And I can take it out of there and now I have open space for the things that I do use on a consistent basis that were always getting out of control because they didn't have a container. Go listen to the containers and limits and how they'll change your life podcast. But that is really what is, okay, if you have something that you consistently use, but you feel guilty because it's always a mess and you don't have any place to store it, go look for someplace else in your house 
where you're storing something that you never use that you could just get rid of. Okay. Okay. Um, here, here's the other thing. I'm pretty accepting of people and their unique things that they're into. I actually get super energized and jazzed when somebody talks about something that just makes their eyes light up that they really love. Even if it's something I have zero interest in personally, I love it when somebody finds their thing. Um, remember everybody's weird. Like everybody's weird. How many times have you been to somebody's house and been like, Hey, do you have a such and such? And, um, and they're like, no, we don't have any of those. And in your mind, you're thinking, what? I thought everybody kept that at their house. Okay. So this story I heard one time, somebody was telling about, um, somebody who came to their house and they said, do you want something to drink? Yeah, I'll have water with lemon. And they were like, I don't keep lemons on hand. Um, you know, and then they felt all weird. I'm like, if you don't keep lemons because you don't like lemons in your water, good for you. Don't do lemons. You know, I mean, everybody's weird. Everybody has their weirdnesses. Just own it and keep under control the things that you do have. Okay. If it bugs you that you've always got these things out in the open, then yes, you need to find somewhere to put this stuff. But most likely, if you're listening to a podcast called A Slob Comes Clean, you have spaces in your home that are full of things you really don't use and you really don't need. Okay. All right. The other thing to remember too is routines have to come first. Start with the boring daily habits. Um, you know, clothing is going to be easier to declutter once you get your laundry routine down. There's two whole chapters in the book on laundry. And then there's another chapter where we talk about, where I talk about laundry and, you know, laundry routine and decluttering how those work together. But basically what it comes down to, if you are consistently doing only by consistently doing my laundry, did I have an actual realistic understanding of how many clothes we used in a week and which clothes we wore week after week after week. That was the only way I could not figure that out on paper. I couldn't figure that out by sitting and thinking about it. I could only figure that out by experiencing doing laundry day and that the doing of that, the trusting myself to have clean clothes, the knowing how many actually, how many clothes we actually needed in a week, that stuff helped me see and changed my perspective on clothing. It changed that. I, I, I get questions all the time and I used to try to answer them of, well, how many clothes do you actually need? And I'm like, well, okay, so how many do you need? Well, you know, I'm like, I learned that by doing my laundry, by getting laundry under control. Okay. And, um, the way I do laundry in case this is your first podcast to listen to, I do a once a week laundry day. (gasps) I know it's horrible, right? There's two chapters in the book explaining why I do that. You don't have to do that. If you have laundry under control, great. But I have a podcast called laundry conquered. And that explains how that all works. Um, Okay, so that is the basics that I wanted to talk to you about on that. Let me see if I went through everything. Okay, so the main thing is don't focus on that thing. Go ahead and declutter other stuff, things that you don't even consider decluttering, things that don't seem like a project because they're just the things that you know have to be done. And so of course you're going to do them, even though you might wait until you know, the doorbell is going to be ringing next week, whatever, just go ahead and do those things now. And that will start to grease up your brain, I guess, you know, so that it gets moving and going and changes your perspective on things. Okay. Now I said last time in the one that, um, the podcast that went into never, never land, um, that I had, um, re-recorded and then didn't finish talking about, um, I had a question about blogging. So I'm going to be talking specifically about blogging. And so feel free if you have zero interest in blogging to stop the podcast now, just remember to go check out aslobcomesclean.com slash Rose to, um, visit our sponsor for this month and get your copy of how to manage your home without losing your mind. Um, written by me anyway, that, um, but, but I do want to talk about the blogging thing. First of all, I had so much fun talking about it last time. 
and then it just died and went away. So if that happens again this time, I'm probably never going to talk about it again because I'll take it as some kind of a sign. Anyway, um, but bye to y'all who don't care about blogging. Okay. The question was, how did I build my blog? How did I get readers before my real life friends knew about my blog? So my story is that I started this blog completely anonymously. I started it out of desperation to get my own home under control. I made up a fake name. That's why I'm known as Noni by a lot of people. Noni is short for anonymous. I did that because I did not have any intention of anyone I personally knew ever knowing about this blog. And it was just going to be a practice blog anyway. My my intention was to start a blog about things I was actually good at. And this was just my way to justify going ahead, maybe learning something about blogging while getting my house under control, because that was the thing stopping me from actually starting a blog. And I talk about that in the first few podcasts. So you probably already know that, but, um, the question was, how how did I build a blog when I wasn't telling anybody I knew about the blog? And the other part of the question was, did your blog just finally take off when you finally told people about it? Well, to be clear, I still don't walk around telling people that I have a blog. Like, I still don't volunteer that information. Um, it is different now within the last month, I would say, because I have a book out and my face is on the cover of the book. And that kind of required me to change that. Um, but I still don't bring it up in conversation unless it comes up in conversation. So I, I don't, um, post things to my personal page. I don't, um, you know, I don't put my blog posts on personal things or anything. So I have always kept those things very separate. It's harder now having a, a traditional book out there that just kind of blurs those lines more. And um, I didn't want people to feel like, what has Dana been hiding? So I have, you know, I told people that I had this book out, but I didn't go into any details or anything like that. And I didn't push my blog or anything. So that is still not how I do this. Well, so I'll just tell you basically what I did to start the blog. I mean, to get to get readers in the beginning. And in a lot of ways, this information is obsolete because, um, because I, hold on just a second. This information is obsolete because this isn't really the way it's done anymore. So back in 2009, when I started, the only way I knew to gain readers was to join link parties. And I, they, they just don't exist in my realm in the same way that they did. They do exist. And I think they are a great place for you to go ahead and go out there and get your content out there. Um, but I don't think it's quite as, as big of a phenomenon as it used to be. But for example, there's one called works for me Wednesday. It is now hosted at giving up on which is by my friend, Mary Carver. Um, but that's like a tip something that you, you know, sharing some sort of a tip that goes along with this theme of works for me Wednesday. So it would be a bigger blogger would post this thing. And then there would be a link up thing where you would post a post on your blog and you were supposed to put a link to the person hosting the link up. And the idea was they're the big blog. They have a lot of people already coming there. Those people look at all these different links and click over to find things on this certain theme. Um, and you know, it was something where they would tell you, I'm going to put this link up live at eight o'clock AM on Wednesday morning. And, um, you know, I would be right there to try to get mine in those first couple links, because you always got more traffic if you were in the first couple ones. Um, you know, other things that I would do would be menu plan Monday. That's on orgjunkie.com. I'm honestly not sure if she still does that, but that does send pretty decent traffic or it did in the day. I haven't done it in several years. Um, other ones that I think have died out since then were things like tackle it Tuesday. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I know that moneysavingmom.com, she would always send really good traffic. She would do some random different link ups at different times. I'm not sure if she does that anymore, but that was basically the only way that I knew and the only way I had to build my blog. Okay. But like I said, those just aren't the same as they used to be, but they do exist. And I think that there are a lot more for recipe, um, 
recipe link ups on like cooking blogs and things and for um, crafty type things. Now, for you, if you're just starting out, I would say Pinterest would be a great place to focus. Start building an audience on Pinterest and pinning your own stuff and other people's stuff so that they see that, oh, this account is one to follow because they pin things that I like. Pinterest did not exist in 2009 when I started. Um, I still kind of stink at Pinterest, but the thing, uh, but that is a way that a lot of bloggers now um, really build some traffic there. Um, but let's go into the, um, let's see. I'm going to go into my basic philosophies, which I think have served me really well as far as blogging. Um, one of the quotes that I heard at the very first blogging conference that I ever went to, uh, J.D. Roth, who used to have Get Rich Slowly, slowly GetRichSlowly.com. I'm not sure what his name, his new site is. It might just be jdroth.com. Um, anyway, he spoke and he was, so he was the first keynote speaker at the first blogging event of any kind that I'd ever been to. And I still remember this thing that he said, and he's, he's real low key, but he just said, assume that no one reads your blog and assume that everyone reads your blog. And what he meant by that is interpersonal relationships. Like don't walk around assuming that your friends already know your stories because they've been reading your blog. Because if you assume that you're going to find out they don't. And I find this too. You know, my mother used to read every last post. She doesn't read every single post anymore. And sometimes something will come up and I'm like, I talked about my blog and she's like, oh, I haven't read it. And then she feels awkward. So I try to not ever assume, not ever say anything. And I'll start telling a story. And if somebody says, Oh yeah, I read, read about that on your blog. Then I just go, Oh, that's cool. Yay. Okay. But I try not, I I don't, I, I assume that they, that people in my life do not read my blog, but write in a way, assuming that everyone reads, meaning don't write something that you would just kind of cross your fingers that somebody's never going to read and be hurt have their feelings hurt by, you know, so I always, even though my blog was a total secret, I always had in my mind, some, everybody in the entire world could read this at some point. So I'm not going to write anything that would hurt someone. Um, but, but I think what that comes down to is this, the frustration that I see and, and I have felt to some degree because there have been times where I was really excited to, you know, finally tell this person who I thought was my really good friend and who maybe was my really good friend that, okay, I have a blog and I've been doing this for a while, you know, and I, I, I was like, oh, you know, I'm excited for them to know about this. The times when those people actually like went to my blog and read more than just a cursory glance of it, like I could count on one hand. It, I, the blog is not going to grow through anybody feeling obligated to read it. Okay. Um, that it just doesn't work that way. No, there is so much on the internet now. There's so much more now than there was in 2009 when I started, which means that yes, it was easier for me. I still sometimes feel like I missed the boat cause I didn't start in 2007, but at the same time, it's always been the same. I mean, nobody is going to read your blog out of obligation more than one time. They're, they're just not going to. Okay. So what the main question is, what can you give your readers? Like, what is it that's the reason for them to come? People come to read your blog for themselves. Um, if I have ever, if I ever, and it it happens sometimes it happened in the beginning when I started getting some readers and people were like, Oh, you're funny or whatever. And I was like, Oh my goodness, people like me. This is so great. And occasionally I would say something or do something that was me focused instead of house cleaning focused because I was like, well, people really like me. I bet you they want to hear this. And every single time I did that and I fell into that trap, I would realize, yeah, they're here because they want cleaning inspiration. Even though at the time I wasn't giving any cleaning advice, I was only sharing my own struggles and what I was doing in my house and you know, all that kind of stuff. 
But that's what people were there for. They were there because they personally needed to read about somebody else's cleaning struggles. They personally needed insights about struggles in cleaning. They were not there because they liked me. They might have liked me, but that was not the reason they were there. Does that make sense? You know, like they felt like they knew me and a lot of people, you know, I mean, I feel like I've have all these friends all over the world, you know, and yes, we have this relationship, but ultimately that relationship is based on the fact that they come for cleaning inspiration. It is not based on the fact that, oh, well, Dana wrote a blog post. I better go read it. That's not what it is. Okay. So always keeping that in your head of what are people actually getting from this post? It's not a chance for me to vent my feelings, even though yes, in some ways that is what it is, but that is not how I'm gaining readers. I don't gain readers by venting my feelings. I gain readers by making people laugh or making them think or making them feel better about themselves or whatever. So what is it that the reader is getting through the blog post. Okay. Um, the other thing too, is I, that I think really served me well, ultimately. Um, although (laughs) like, okay. So from the very beginning, I've always had this thing of, I don't care about drive-by traffic. Okay. Now there are some people who have way, way like three times, four times, five times my traffic, because they, they'll just do whatever to get traffic and that's great. And that pays their bills through their advertising and all that kind of stuff. And that's wonderful. But for me personally, I just decided I'm going to focus on gaining long-term readers, like building a long-term reader relationship. So I never, well, I don't want to say I never. Okay. So but, but here's how, that doesn't mean that I didn't try to put stuff out there that people would want to click on, okay, to come over to the blog. But every time I wrote a post, I was determined that my unique perspective of being someone who struggles in her home trying to figure it out, that that was in that post. So that whatever post somebody landed on, they knew from that post, that random post that they came in on, that that was the overall theme of the blog. So that if they personally liked that and that spoke to them and they knew they needed more of that, then they would stick around. Okay. So even if I wrote a recipe, I might, you know, say something like, well, here's a super easy recipe that I can throw in the crock pot at two o'clock in the afternoon, because I'm the kind of person who always forgets to actually started at eight o'clock in the morning, like I think I should, or, you know, this, I pre-cook ground beef because I tend to be really scatterbrained and not think about dinner until five o'clock. And so when I have pre-cooked ground beef in the freezer, then I'm able to throw together a meal really quickly. See what I'm saying? So always bringing it back to what's my unique perspective so that this thing that they came in on because they wanted to learn something also lets them know what is unique and different about this blog that's going to make me want to follow it long-term. Okay. Um, so always, always having that something from that, like, so when I, um, those linky parties, link up parties, things that other bloggers would do, I ran across one one time and I think, I don't think the blog exists anymore, but it was called a soft place to land or something. And it was a craft blog. And I didn't, you know, I didn't even know craft blogs existed. This wasn't a thing. This was pre Pinterest, all that. So I ran across this blog and I was like, Oh, this is so, you know, like, Oh wow. She's got this link up party. And I was painting my office, which is now a game room at the time. And I was like, Oh, well I can put something on there. Cause this was a DIY link up. I was like, Oh, okay. Well I'll write a post about that and do that. Well, I got more traffic from that than anything I had ever, 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 ever linked up to before. I mean, like, I think I hit 100 people in one day on my site, which at the time was, like, beyond thrilling. I mean, I was so, so excited. I was like, oh, my word, this is it. I found the jackpot. I And so for several weeks, I was like, I am going to link up on this thing every single week. So I was always coming up with something sort of crafty or, you know, DIY or whatever to put on there so that I could make sure I linked up to that link up party because it sent such great traffic. Well, then, 
you know, I was still early and young. I think I installed Google Analytics at that point, which is a really good thing to have on your site. And I looked at Google Analytics and it, you know, was trying to kind of figure out what the different things meant. And just in case you're not a blogger and you're still listening, um, Google Analytics tells you um, how many people have been to your site. You don't see any personal information about them at all, but you see how many people have been to your site. You see what site they came from, how long they stayed, how many times they clicked around, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, I realized that even though, yes, I was getting like 99, 98 people come over from this site, which was a huge number for me at the time, they weren't staying. Like I was looking at the bounce rate, which means they just came over, looked at this post and left and they didn't look around at anything else on the site. So they would come over from this crafty DIY link up. And even though I was, you know, always trying to put stuff in there to make sure they, you know, got something from that blog post about how I was, um, you know, what the overall theme of the blog was. And yes, I did find some people through that. I did have some people stick around, but for the most part, the vast majority of the people that would come over on those DIY and crafty linkups would look at that post and they would leave and they would never come back. Cause you can see how many people are brand new to your site. They've never been before. And so I saw that and I was like, Oh, so I'm getting good traffic, but they're not actually sticking around. So what's the point? But then I look over here at such and such link up tackle it Tuesday or whatever. And maybe I only got 10 people who came over from that one. But out of those 10 people, four of them stayed on my site for an hour, sometimes seven hours, you know, reading from the beginning, every single last post, you know, these were my people. So it was like identifying, okay, this, this crafty link up sends a lot of people, but they're not my people. This one over here doesn't send that many people, but the ones it sends are bought in to what I'm doing here. Okay. And so just always, that was one of those things that shifted for me and made me say, I am not going to put time and energy into anything that's not going to bring me long lasting, real kindred spirits. I mean, that, that was my goal. I want to have, I I don't want drive by readers. That's what I always call them. That's just my own little made up word. Anyway, um, so what is it that they're getting out of it? Are they getting a clear idea of the overall theme of your blog and why they would want to follow it day by day and check out every post from every single post that comes in? Are they getting that idea? Okay. But also, um, are they, do, do you have a way to capture those people? I mean, and what I mean by that, I don't mean anything that you shouldn't do. I'm just saying, you know, do you have your, you know, are you building your email list? Um, this is something that I really regret not doing sooner because I didn't understand the point of it, (laughs) but now I'm working on it and I'm super behind considering where I should be, but you know, work on getting those people to sign up for email so that they are getting all of your posts. So, you know, I have different things that I offer for free if you sign up for email. Um, but whatever it is, you know, what can you do to make sure that, that you have some sort of access to those people? Um, maybe it's having them like your Facebook page, whatever, you know, just encouraging people, some sort of CTA, which is call to action, meaning, you know, some sort of thing where it's very obvious and very clear, Hey, go, you know, check out what I'm going to send you if you sign up for my email list or, Um, We have a lot of fun over on Facebook having discussions about a lot of these things. Make sure you go like that page because people don't necessarily realize that you are in all these different places and there might be their favorite social media platform where they want to connect with you. Okay. Um, So that comes down to what's your unique perspective, you know, really identifying what is it that people are coming over for. And here's the other thing. Okay. Nobody likes to be preached at. Um, Stella, who's lovely uh, and lives in Australia, read um, 14 Days for me uh, before I put it out. She looked through it. Anyway, and there was, I had said something about, you know, preachy or whatever. And she said, now, I'm not sure for culturally. She goes, but here that really comes across as a bad thing, preachy. And I was like, oh, no, 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 you're right. Preachy is bad. Nobody likes to be preached at. Okay. Okay. We like to be 
taught. We like to have things explained, but we really love to hear stories. People connect with stories. So the main thing when some when different people have asked me to read something that they've written, like, hey, I want to do this because I'm really passionate on this topic. Um, if there's ever something that I go, oh, yeah, okay, it's generally that they're telling people about something as opposed to telling their own story that allows people to learn that same thing, but in a way that's actually interesting and engaging and keeps them. But people love stories. Like, okay, so for example, when I when I talk, and this is over the years, when I write a blog post, I generally, as I go through editing, I, I don't do it as much as I used to, but I catch myself and I, I realize, I'm like, anytime, okay, so you can say, you should do a once a week laundry day because when you do a once a week laundry day, it's amazing how great it is that it feels when, here's me rambling, how great it feels when you get to have a beginning, a middle and an end, and then you get to use your project brain. And when I'm saying that we, we, as people, we tend to say you, when we're just talking about people in general, But if I change that exact same story to, I have a, I need to have a once a week laundry day because when I do my laundry every week on a certain day, it allows me to use my project brain. It allows me to use that personality thing that I have for good and to go with my personality. I'm saying the exact same thing. And in a lot of ways the when I was saying you in the beginning, I was really saying I, but there's something about saying you that can make people who don't want to be preached at feel preached at and shut down and they don't want to hear it. Don't tell me what to do. But if I tell it as my story, the same thing, then they can learn from that, but it has less of a preaching feeling. Okay. So that's one of the things I do as I go through, I'll go, okay, I'm using vague pronouns here. If, and generally I just switch them all to I and me and my, because I'm telling the same story. I'm teaching the same lesson, but it takes the preachiness out of it. And also when I'm saying I, I have to be telling a story because sometimes it's easy to say, it's really, really important to do your dishes every single day. It is really important to do the dishes every night before you go to bed. But if I instead tell the story of not doing the dishes and then I found out people were coming over and then I had to spend five hours in there doing the dishes. But then once I did the dishes one day and then I realized, and then the next day I did them, I realized how much less time it takes me to do them the second day than it did the first day. See, now I'm telling a story and it's, it's less preachy. People don't feel like there's demands being put on them. I know y'all may be going, that is awful, but whatever. But changing to always be telling a story as opposed to preaching, a teaching, preaching a lesson, whatever. Okay. I hope you get what I mean by that. Um, oh, the other thing is your Facebook page. And that's, that's one of the things I think maybe you mentioned in the question about, um, you know, sharing it on your personal Facebook page. And, you know, for one thing, it can be really disappointing. I mean, I'll just be honest. And I I heard this on a podcast once, a guy who's like this major best-selling independent published author, he publishes himself, but how hurt he was because he had put all this effort into something, this book he was writing and he told everybody he knew and they were all like, yes, I'm going to buy that. That's so great. Yes. When it comes out, tell me and I'll buy it. And then he could see the numbers and it came out and nobody bought it. Like maybe one person and how hurt he was. I'm like, I have been there. I mean, there have been things where I was like, people are going to love this, you know, and, and then I find there's just something about personal friends that, and I'm the same way with other people's stuff. I mean, like I might go read one, but I'm not going to go read every single one. You know, it's just, unless it's something that I personally really need to read, that's just not that that is not the most effective way to actually grow your business. You don't want to grow it depending on your friends to read things out of obligation. Okay. So 
build a Facebook page. If you just go into facebook.com and your thing, I believe over in the little, little gear shift thing up there at the top or gear, whatever, um, you can go on there and it says create a page, make a page because you're really not supposed to be having a business on your personal thing anyway, I think, but go to and make a page and then put all of your stuff. That's just blatantly here. Come read my blog post here buy this product. Oh, here's a great thing. Put all that stuff on there. And then as you're building or as you feel the need to share it as your personal account from that. Okay. Now I tell people to do this. They get excited and then they give it up because you will get more interaction in the beginning from your personal page than you will from I mean, from your personal account, then you will from the blog page. But the thing about having a business page, as opposed to, you know, like my, a slob comes clean page. That's not my page. That's not my personal account. That's the page. Anybody can like it. So as your friends interact on it, even if they're interacting on your personal one, then their friends who see that, who maybe have a much more vested or desperate need for what you're giving people than your friend actually did, they can like your page, which they're way more likely to do than they are to personally friend you. Okay. They can like your page. And so that page can grow on its own without any kind of obligation. Okay. And once people like that page, then they're giving you permission to tell them about what you're writing, to you know, this is, that's the reason they liked the page because they wanted your unique perspective on whatever it is that you're sharing and helping people with. Okay. So that don't neglect building that along with your email list. The email list, you have so much more control over than Facebook because Facebook doesn't show things. I have 168 something thousand Facebook fans and Facebook on a really great day will show it to 60,000 people. You know, I mean, they're not, and that's a really great day, you know, so they're not showing it to everybody. The only way you're much more guaranteed to really get in front of people is through email. So you want to build that too, but you know, build that Facebook page up, use that and then share when you want to share your own blog post, share it from your, from your business page, your blog page, as opposed to your personal page, share it to your personal page from your blog page. And the other thing that does is just kind of gives it that separation of, and helps people know, okay, you really are trying to build something here. You're not just trying to get your friends to come over and read stuff on your blog. You're really trying to build an actual blog, an actual, you know, business, I'm assuming is what you're wanting to go for. Okay. Um, the last thing, well, okay. So a podcast that I listened to recently that I thought was really good on this subject, it's called Hope Writers and they, um, it is, oh my word, I can't remember their name anymore. The Nestor is one of them. And then her sister who writes as well is on there. Um, Emily Freeman, maybe, uh, anyway, and it's, it's them and they're talking about, and the specifically the one I'm talking about is called how to never self promote again. And I just found myself nodding and nodding and nodding, you know, basically a lot of the same stuff, but you know, just kind of getting that into your head of, you know, that icky feeling of self-promotion, getting past that, but then also doing it in a way that doesn't feel icky. That's the goal. Okay. And then the last thing of all is blog conferences. Now these have changed significantly over the years. You know, Blistem that used to be the kind of everybody come, even if it's just a hobby or if it's a business, whatever, um, you know, that doesn't exist anymore, but there are still a lot of different type things. I would recommend to go for smaller ones just because those tend to be um, tend to be more, how would you say it? Personal. Yeah. It's not too hard to say. I don't know why I couldn't think of it, but you know, that's the kind of stuff that, um, I will tell you that going to blog conferences has moved my blog forward more than anything else I've ever done. Um, connecting with people online is great, but connecting with them in person it just changes everything as far as how much you support each other, how much you, um, you know, help each other out when you're pushing something or promoting something or launching something. I mean, those relationships, because, because when they're in person, 
even though a lot of online relationships, I have some friends that I have met through blogging who I've never met in real life. And I forget that I've never met them in real life, but the ones who I'm like, yes, these are my people. I can call on them for any kind of help that I need, any kind of confusing problem that comes up. Those are my ones that I've met in real life. You know, if you've heard people mention things about mastermind groups where they, you know, I'm in, anyway, you meet once a week or once every other week and you talk about things, um, and go through, you know, your different struggles that you're having, or give me some ideas on how to do this and how to promote it in a way that will grow or whatever. Those things are just absolutely game changing. They really are. I mean, to have a core group of people like that, but the people I'm in a mastermind group with are people that I met at a conference. They are not random people that I've contacted online. Now there are a couple people in them that I don't personally know, but somebody else met them at a conference who's in that group and now they've become good friends. But that's blog. Don't underestimate that. And look around in your local where you are, look around and see if there's a conference that meets in your, you know, somewhere near you. Most major cities have some sort of at least small little thing, but that for me, I can point to the kind of the milestones in my blog and growing and pretty much all of them are somehow related back to the blogging conference that I went to. And as a lot of people say, I do learn stuff in the sessions. I've always been to digital collab, which I'm not promoting because I don't know for sure if they're doing it again next year, but I've always been to that when it used to be called savvy blogging. Um, that, yes, I did learn things in sessions. There are some that people go to, they say they don't learn anything in sessions, but the sessions are not what it's about. It's about the connection. Connection. It's about the connections or the connecting, but not a combination of those two words. It's about that. And as I go, that's when I learn things that just shift everything for me because I'm having a conversation with someone and something comes up that I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, that would be a game changer. So don't underestimate finding a way to connect with that. Maybe for you, you can look in your, you know, nearest major city and see if there's just a blogger meetup. A lot of places, I know Houston has that, um, just different places where you, um, you know, just look, look for Facebook groups. Um, there's a, yeah, just look for different things like that. Um, ask other people around who, Hey, how do you make connections with other bloggers? There's just, I haven't found anything that's as effective as that. So, okay. Sorry to those of you who, um, just kept listening because you couldn't find your off button, but had no interest in hearing about blogging. Um, anyway, but I sure have fun talking about it. So, uh, if you have questions for me, make sure you email me at Dana at a slob comes clean.com. That's D A N A at a slob comes clean.com. Um, questions that you'd like for me to talk about in future podcasts, probably not blogging questions because, um, I, I can't turn this into a blogging podcast, but, um, Pat Flynn or smartpassiveincome.com is a great uh, place to go to listen um, just for all sorts of online business type things. So, okay. Well, I will talk to you guys next week and enjoy your December. Bye.